It's Tuesday, January 25th. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, the show that brings you delicious tech news and all the hot takes you can handle with Tyler Gates, Russ Cantwell, and Aaron Bewley. It's episode 234. Just me and Tyler today. How's it going, sir? So good. I feel like that's yeah, always, whoa, whoa, it's going real good in my background. My kids I are could hear that. their head off. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. Somebody's having a good time. Yahtzee. That sounded like a happy scream. So yeah. There's that. <laughs> that's, that's great no man things are things are really good uh i just learned from you moments ago that we are almost to forty thousand listens which is pretty freaking exciting because uh yes it's a podcast and i still don't know why people listen to us uh but but it's exciting all the same we actually picked up and, one uh, since i told you five minutes ago oh, so yeah we are we are Somebody's... nine away from forty thousand all time so close which this will get us over the hump right here this will yeah spam everybody's phone with a new update when you publish it and bam we'll be there Forty thousand. hooray yeah i'm proud of us for sharing that data because i can't tell you i don't actually know i can't think of another podcast that i listen to um and i listen to a decent amount of them i mean i'm with you when i say i don't know why people listen to us but i listen to other people (laughs) because other people are smart but i have no idea how to benchmark that though no, you know, no, like, I don't know if 40,000 is just like nothing. Like we, I, like, I actually feel like the reactions that I've gotten, like if I, if I say, oh yeah, I have a podcast. Cause I'm usually pretty muted about anything like that. Uh, self-promotion stuff. Awkward. But when I have mentioned it to people that listen to podcasts, it's not necessarily like the number of listens or, or even listeners though. Thank yeah. you to all of you. It's that we've produced hundreds of episodes. They're yeah. like, whoa, wait, you like you're you really do a podcast, not like I did it for a week and I gave up on it or yes. I do it once a month. And that's not to criticize because obviously one of the nice things. No, but that's strong, our, though, dude. Well, that's, no, no, no. That's but, the other thing I'm, I'm proud sorry, of I just, for, like, I didn't with mean it. to put down podcasts or podcasters that do occasional releases, right? Because think about something like Radiolab. The production yeah. value of a Radiolab podcast is like light years away from us in in production quality all of it sure. um it's I, I wasn't trying to put down the the slow cadence or anything like that it's just the fact that we've done this pretty repeatedly is is cool and and it is cool i i yeah. think it's awesome right and it bothers me when i look at our uh like performance over time because anchor's got some decent dashboards for that and it's like you can see when we stopped recording because you have massive yes. dips <laughs> and it's like oh, <laughs> yes i let yes. my people down <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it tr- it trends up until you stop recording and then it crashes. <laughs> you know, and then you fire and up a, just a couple bad. episodes and then it spikes hard, you know? Yep, yep, yep. This yep. most recent um, spike is just crazy. It's like from the bottom to a new high, you know, after yeah. recording three episodes in Which is exciting. December or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It also tells you a lot uh, about how people subscribe to podcasts because mm-hmm. that tells me that most people that listen to us aren't just finding it. Obviously, new people are going to, you know, yeah. whatever, uh, get it from a friend. But when we publish an episode, it goes to their podcast app and they listen to it, which is cool. Yeah, it's awesome. So thank you to the 200 of y'all that regularly do that. Yeah. Fun fact. So I get this little stat that gets emailed to me every now and then. And last week, we were number 21 in Slovenia. <gasps> What up? 21 what in, up, te- in the technology sector, I'll say. So any any podcast that self-identifies as a technology podcast, we were number 21 overall. That's pretty cool. It's always yeah. fun to see the growing list of countries that, that we've been listened into or that we have uh, listeners coming in from. Like Barbados showed up on the list and Sudan recently. Yeah. That's cool. Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 
Oh, that's true. Right at the bottom, Sudan, Oman, Lebanon, Barbados, Estonia, Moldova. I mean, it's just on and on and on. And on. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It's cool. Very cool. Super cool. Very cool. Anyway, awesome. enough about you have a good that. Weekend? I found yeah. it exciting. I did. Uh, this weekend This weekend was really good. What was, gosh, was, no, okay, yes, this weekend we had family in town. Uh, that's like yesterday. Yeah, it's just Tuesday. Uh, yeah, my, my sister-in-law and my niece came and visited us, and that's always tons of fun because uh, my niece is pretty close to the age of my youngest and uh she absolutely idolizes my oldest uh who is a girl and so they uh they always run off and romp and have lots and lots of fun and do kid things which is enjoyable awesome and Very cool. and i solved my fence post digging problem or at least partially uh yeah I the clay i talked about that at all uh no but i'm i'm building a couple out structures one for wood storage uh one because i refuse to park my gr- anything with wheels really i try to keep out of my garage uh and blasphemy the bikes and the, the lawnmower <laughs> are in there and they have wheels and that's not okay so it I hurts me for my my lawnmower to be outside um, it hurts me so, so much have- <laughs> I'm weird like that. No cars. No cars are in my No, garage, just different I priorities. Do. I have a lawnmower and I have bicycles and they, they have wheels and I don't like that they're in there. I would have 10 cars. No, that's I'd not probably what the garage is for. I would have 12 cars in your 10-car garage <laughs> with no woodworking. <laughs> Yours is a massive woodworking place. Anyway. I, have, I have two dead trees taking up at least a third of my garage right now. And See, trees are supposed to be outside and you're cutting them no, up and bringing them inside? They're, they're I don't know. Yeah. All right. Um. Anyways, so uh, I'm I'm building wood storage to get all of the logs that fall and and that we burn in our wood burning fireplaces <laughs> off the ground, where the termites just have a go at them all the time. Um. And snakes like to live in them, so we're gonna do that. And then I'm building a small extension to what used to be a chicken coop to make it like for lawn equipment. And I did uh, two weekends ago. I did a ton of groundwork on that. I laid the foundation. I got a plate compactor. Probably dug I don't know six yards of dirt up out of the yeah. ground, and then put a few yards of uh, you know compressible. What do they call it? Flex space. And then I've got some decomposed granite. I'm going to do. I'm going to lay a flagstone that I pulled off the property somewhere else and yeah. stack to use later. And uh, when I went to go dig post holes, because I'm going to do probably just treated like four by four posts uh, as as sort of the foundational element of the build on both of them uh mostly because that's how i know how to do it not so much that it's the best decision open to suggestions by the way but i got an auger a big auger uh one man but my dad and i both like put our full weight into getting this thing to try to dig an eight inch hole in the ground and it goes down about four inches and then just stops bouncing yeah (laughs) and it's bouncing because my clay sand soil if you want to call it soil gets compacted by the auger instead of dug out and it's basically cement at that point so like i'm on this and the the auger just starts bouncing i add water to it and the water doesn't even soak into the stuff it's so well compacted (laughs) i mean it might as well be a dam and you were talking about this last week or yeah i'm so mad no no no, i don't inject go for it but so mark um mentioned this my dad mentioned this the other day. Um, he like, right. Like the day after you mentioned it, he was up in Denton trying <laughs> to build a like habitat for humanity or something like helping to build a yeah. house. 
And he was out there and he had one of those. He was describing the exact same situation. Yeah. And he said, yeah, he got about that far. And then he said it was it was like hitting concrete, except for there were just exactly. like shaves. It looked like shaves of chocolate. It does. Like, or yeah. if you shave only, chocolate, only, that's kind of what it was coming I up I couldn't as, even but. shave the chocolate off anymore. Like it, <laughs> yeah. it didn't matter what I did. It was so compacted that the teeth wouldn't get in. It wouldn't bite and it wouldn't shave that's it off. And I know exactly. It does look like shaved chocolate. It, it's, it's these like chips of dirt that have been compacted the way yeah. that comes off. Well, my neighbor, uh, and go figure, like, I got an auger. I rented an auger thinking this will make quick work of it. This will be easy. You know what actually got me over the hump was my neighbor has a really old, like, chipped, doesn't close right even, traditional post hole digger, post hole digger which is just, it's like two shovels that have been stuck together yeah. like a pair of scissors, basically. Like salad Slam tongs, it in the ground, of. open, and then you close it and you, you pull it out. Yeah, salad tongs. And... um. And sure enough, just slamming that into that concrete broke it up and started pulling out the dirt. And we were able to dig out like 10 holes in maybe an hour. And, nice. Uh, and I just laughed because I spent almost as long with the auger and I got, you know, not even nearly as far into that process. Yeah. Once it started, it was actually easy because that thing wasn't doing the compacting. Anyways, the joys of construction, right? Well, and that's why I tell you the story because you were, when you were talking about this last week, um, you were like, gosh, my, my dirt is so bad, but I didn't want you to feel like it was your dirt. It's apparently like all of DFW's dirt. Yeah, it is. Even it as is. far and north it, as like North Denton. So, and I've heard this before too. Like, I and I and I remember it in my the yard that I grew up in, uh, which is in Plano, also in North North Texas, right? And this clay dirt has all kinds of problems. Uh, one in in North Texas, it can easily go from clay to just like rocks really fast. Yes, like bedrock is Real not fast. necessarily deep. That sucks. It doesn't really matter what you're working with. You're gonna have a bad day if. if if you're trying to, you know, hack through boulders, especially in small holes in the ground, um, it, it dries out and it will like separate massive cracks will happen. So you actually have to water your dirt if you, if you want to be respectful of your foundation and not have major mm -hmm. issues. And that, that is a uniquely crap soil problem, right? Yes. Uniquely um, North Texas kind of a deal. <laughs> but, but, in, but even though I remember like running into that in, in Plano, I just, I didn't have a full appreciation for how, infuriating it can be until I was trying to use automated tools in my, my own yard now. And I think part of the reason I just didn't notice as much up in Plano is that I don't remember digging massive trenches by hand or with anything other than hand tools. And ironically, it, it's actually easier to do with, you know, just mechanical hand tools than it is to do with anything automated because it doesn't get compacted as much. It's just a lot of bloody work. Yeah. <laughs> So I got my exercise for 2022. Let's move okay. on to uh, today in lawn care history. Uh, <laughs> let's see if there's anything here. Uh, all right. January 25th. Well, January 25th. Happy birthday to my father-in-law. Um, okay. Opportunity Rover. Opportunity Rover lands on the surface of oh. Mars. Three oh. weeks after its twin spirit touched down on the other side of the planet. I, you know what year? I remember when this happened. Uh, oof. I'm going to say like 07. Close. Yeah. 04. Ah, I, knew, yeah. I knew it was close to there. I, I probably would have guessed a little bit later than 07 even. Almost I forgot it was that 06. far back. Yeah. I almost went with 06, which obviously not a very big change, but I was thinking it was further out too. So I thought 06 and then said, nah, but it's a little later. Okay. <laughs> Clearly, How wrong. crazy is this? January 25th had both the first transcontinental jet flight as well as the first transcontinental phone service. Cool. Do you want to That's guess which which years which of those were? I'm gonna give oh. you two at once here. 
<laughs> Gosh. Uh, let's see. Transcontinental Air. Jet flight. Just it was a, jet, it was a Boeing. Jet. It was an American Airlines Boeing seven oh seven from okay. Los Angeles uh, to New York. I don't. I don't know. Fifty something. Yeah. Fifty what? Okay. Fifty four. Fifty nine. Nice. Oh. close, dude. Close. Hey, not bad. Uh, and then did you said what was the other one? The the transcontinental phone service. Yes. So this is Alexander phone Graham service. Bell Ign- inaugurates. The U.S. Transcontinental Telephone Service, speaking from New York to Thomas Watson in San Francisco, President oh, Woodrow Wilson, and the mayors. Well, there you go. I just told you the president at the time. Oh, man, uh, and the mayors of both cities. <laughs> mayors of both cities were also involved in the call. So it was a conference oh, call. Gosh. Great. Zoom, now, I now believe, if I actually. guess this, people will know how much I don't know about our presidents <laughs> when they were in office. But that's come up before, and the answer is I know practically nothing. You could probably say Obama was in office, and I would screw that up. Um, and that was my lifetime. So I don't know when Woodrow Wilson was in office, but I'm going to guess 08, 1908. Anyway. 1915. Oh, man. Very I good. thought about doing the, the teens, too, because I, I never consider the teens. For some reason, yeah. in my head, everything, everything that, that happened before the 60s was in the 20s. Unless it was really old, and then it's like 1901 to 1905. <laughs> I don't <laughs> right? know why, but that's all my guesses are always going to be like that. And that's there's a lot of stuff that happened between there. A lot yes, uh, it, but it all happened in the 20s. <laughs> <laughs> World War II, 20s. <laughs> all of it. <laughs> all right. Uh, I kid, I kid. Let's get to the news here. Uh, I noticed you dropped a bunch of links in there. I want to get your thoughts before we jump off into a whole bunch of other stuff. Did you see the NVIDIA? Arm deal is falling off. That's falling that apart. My link. They said, Do you have any arm jokes? Abandoning. <laughs> Are, yeah. It's, it's, it's a flesh. Losing wound. their arm. Oh, um, merely a flesh wound. There you nothing, go. Merely a flesh wound. Merely a flesh wound. And actually, that's a pretty appropriate for NVIDIA because they, they're doing so many cool things and they are a, a an absolute, um, you know, juggernaut in, in the chip industry and their, yes. know, their graphics card, their AI. People do not realize that. Their software stack. Well, and they do they do a lot. Like, I really started to dig in and I highly suggest anybody that's interested in artificial intelligence and machine learning and everyone that's interested in, you know, I'll, I'll say quote, dedicated silicon, though we're not talking about ASICs where it's, it's an application-specific integrated circuit. These are, these are still more broadly usable. But NVIDIA is killing it in that space, which would basically fall under the umbrella of supercomputers. And they're a big player in all of the software suites that go into um, you know, making the, the inference, especially the, the, on the machine learning and AI side of things, usable to the average you know, uh, corporation, if you will, not so much an individual. Um, but it's like their tech is impressive and it's really, really cool. And I was I personally was really excited about the idea of an ARM acquisition because um, some of the really cool stuff that NVIDIA is doing includes like DPUs, the uh, data processing units like embedded in uh, NICs and stuff like that. And they'll still get to do this, obviously. They'll just you know, purchase the silicon from ARM. But um, I felt like of, of all the companies out there that utilize things like that, NVIDIA seems to, to really, I don't know, like get what their customers want. And so giving them the latitude to just really go full bore with ARM as a, a, as a you know, what, a vertical integration yeah. would have been freaking cool in my opinion. Um, but uh, I, I also don't think it's the end of the world. Um, I, I think 
ultimately that will give them a little less flexibility. But on the flip side of that, it will also mean that ARM is available to all the other players in that space, and that just makes it more competitive, which ultimately is probably better for the end users and the communities yeah. that will utilize it. So it's, it cuts both ways, but um, I'm sure they're bummed, especially because anybody that doesn't know, it fell apart because they can't fight the regulatory side. Regulators. Basically... Yep whether it's the US or it's Asia or it's the EU, everyone is saying, nope, that's monopolistic. You know, we're going to, and they just, they just couldn't either win it, which again, the anti-monopolistic stuff is usually aimed towards helping consumers. So it's probably not a bad thing all in all, but uh, it, it is a, it's an unfortunate reason to see, you know, potentially some hampering of some pretty cool tech. Yeah. And I remember when we first covered this last year when it was starting to form, I want to say like in May or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, it's been going for a while. And I remember thinking, gosh, $40 billion, right? There's been very few deals that are that size, Same. right? You can think about like the the Dell EMC deal that was, you know, 63, 62 billion, something like that. And this one, $40 billion to acquire ARM. And then you look at what Microsoft just did with Activision Blizzard, $67 billion. That thing just went Which through. Insane. The, and yes, I actually saw an estimate. Uh, I mean, I guess it maybe it was just rounded up because I saw that 67 number, but I saw 70 billion recently. And I'm, I'm curious if we actually haven't gotten sort of the finals there or if, or if it was just yeah. rounding. It's probably just rounding. Anyways, that's absolutely incredible. Yeah. And uh, actually, one of the links that I tossed into our show notes um, was, of course, about that. And it wasn't just the announcement that Microsoft bought Activision Blizzard, which is pretty big news not just because of the size of the deal but because um activision blizzard is a gaming company and microsoft right. already has some of that in-house but that's that's a huge sort of industry i don't know assault that microsoft yeah. just did because it yes. really screams we a multi-trillion dollar company are doubling down on our gaming efforts which means uh you know desktop obviously windows um streaming so think about all the game streaming services they're they're trying to build that book and and bolster that tech and then of course xbox and and i one of the more interesting things to me when when that announcement was made was how dramatically at least short term because i haven't followed it it impacted sony stock sony yes. stock price dropped like seven plus percent on the news that that Microsoft bought uh, Activision Blizzard, and and it's too bad Russ isn't on. Uh, I was hoping yeah, I he would be when we first brought this up, but you know, like COD uh, is a huge franchise. What even uh, what's the? There's a mobile game. It's like uh, Candy Crush, I think, is is an Activision right. Blizzard game. But um, what's really neat is looking at the news that's coming out uh, that talks about like kind of some of the projections, what people think this means for the industry. Um, and and it, it goes to the conversations that Russ brings up all the time, which is e-games are massive. Gaming is ridiculously profitable. In fact, I think that article that I shared that sort of was talking about some of the industry, you know, ripples, if you will, that might come from this. It, gaming was two times the size of, uh, not Hollywood, but movies globally. Yeah. That's massive. Yes. It's massive. Yes. 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 <laughs> and so so this is it's a big play and it and it ties into what um Meta is doing with the metaverse and it ties into what um you know what's happening in the AR VR space. Um so like it's it's not a small thing that Microsoft purchased that big of a studio. Um uh, it it's a 
it's a very clear doubling down, if you will, on on their strategy. Um, the, the only thing that I think bugs me about stuff like that is that when you see a Microsoft purchase something like Activision Blizzard and you know have some of these games, is that you you potentially lose the openness. So think cross platforms. Right. Um, some of those games are obviously they're going to run on a PlayStation, they're going to run on an Xbox, they're going to run on a PC, they're going to run on you know what, whatever other licensed you know baselines there are. There, there's more of a threat, I think, of having games, big titles that maybe just come out on Xbox, and I I don't particularly care for that. Um, even as an Xbox owner, it just bothers me that I would yeah. have to buy both consoles to play, you know, some title game. But that's exactly why they do it. It's not like I don't get it. It just yeah, it sucks. What's interesting too, I don't know how many people know that Activision and Blizzard used to be separate companies, and then they merged in 2008. There was a 18.9 billion dollar deal there for them to become yeah. one of the largest video game companies. So, yeah, yeah and then you wild. you look at you look at Microsoft versus Sony and how Sony going to respond. That's that's all the, you know, all the YouTube takes on it or right. what are they going to do, you know, or the memes or whatever. Um mm-hmm. I mean, and, and I, like market cap doesn't say everything, but uh it sure says a lot when you're talking about Microsoft as a 2.2 trillion dollar uh company and yeah. Sony is a is is a uh, 0.13 trillion dollar company, you know, like well, and, Microsoft is more than 2 also, trillion dollars. Right. No, no, no. And, and it's huge and it's meaningful. But but I think actually the, the thread that I pull there is it's totally unfair to Sony sure. to be pitted against Microsoft in this space because what is $67 billion to a $2 trillion company? Right. Nothing. And, but Microsoft's $2 trillion doesn't all come from gaming by, by a long shot. I mean, right. Azure alone probably makes that look silly, right? And and so um, it, it's it's kind of sucks to have your competitor be in a position where they can can just buy the largest most successful game studios if they want because didn't microsoft buy bethesda a few years ago too bethesda is another massive studio with some really long in the tooth games that that are very successful franchises and so yeah like that was march of last year sony stand a chance their their tv business isn't going to touch windows or office or azure <laughs> and so Dude. so headline on that microsoft finalized its 7.5 billion dollar bethesda acquisition this is march 9th of 2021 the deal means microsoft oh gosh, now has thought yeah it's, it says the deal means microsoft now has 23 game studios wow that's before activision blizzard yeah, well, and, and I, I believe it, right? Because think yeah. think about some of the other ones. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna fail miserably. This little bit Ruska just riddle them off, but I know one of them is like Mohang, right? The guy who um, created uh, um, ah, why can't I think of the name of the game? It's like Legos in in Roblox, the metaverse. No, it's not Roblox. Roblox. I, oh. That might be owned by them. No, no, the like the first one they released ages ago. The Minecraft. Oh my goodness. I could oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's what I was they, thinking. They purchased Minecraft, Minecraft for just a couple Sorry. million bucks from the guy that created it. Um, yeah. A couple million, like, oh no, they kid, yep. like wrote it in his basement and walked away with a couple million from, from Microsoft. So, you know, well done. Right. But um, no, they've definitely been picking up studios for a while now. Um, I don't think many are, are the size of Bethesda or Activision Blizzard, obviously. Those are some pretty big headliners. And like I said, they have massive franchises. They they just release a new game with the same title and boom, you've got yeah. you know hundreds of millions of probably revenue. Well and you wanna but uh, you want to talk about okay. big uh big market caps um you know just dropping cash. So we were talking about NVIDIA and the ARM deal. Um 
I don't know how many people, again, I don't know how many people often think about market cap comparisons and whatnot, but NVIDIA has just become an absolute dominating force when it comes to um, chip making and all that. Yeah. Market cap, 558 billion. <laughs> uh, Intel is down to 207 billion. Like I, I used Whoa. to just kind of always, yeah, I used to always think of Intel wow. as like just the behemoth and always so far Dude, ahead I had of no AMD. idea. Yes. And, and I always thought they were so far wow. ahead of AMD. That's the other shocker. So Intel's at 200 billion, AMD's at 135. Like, wow. That's a, that's, well, you know, not that much of a gap anymore. That's, you know, that's actually really telling. Too. It used to be like it, a 10 to means, 1 gap. But it also means that that graphics card business is ridiculously profitable. And now I, yeah. I just talked about all the other things that NVIDIA is getting into, but those, the, the graphics processing units, your GPUs, the, Intel doesn't oh, really, I get lost into you. That. I lost you there nope. for a second. Sorry. I was just saying that the card that lets you play a video game or, I mean, I guess. Yeah, Intel doesn't get into that. that. You can do productive too. But Intel Intel just doesn't play in that space. And apparently that's a huge miss going back however many years ago that, uh, you know, uh, AMD and um, NVIDIA did. Because they, they're, yeah. the, they're the gorillas in the room when it comes to GPUs too. Right. Uh, when so I that's, can't that's remember. Interesting. I no I'm going to have to go back and look when the ARM deal stuff started coming out uh, with with uh, NVIDIA. But gosh, out of these three, that makes me think that NVIDIA is now overvalued. Like, I don't I don't want to. It's just my like high high level 40,000 view. Well, you got to remember, too. Like, I wondered how much of that was priced that, into it. Right. I, I think because, NVIDIA is winning in the supercomputer space, though, too. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, you know, think like Cray doesn't, I, IBM produces Cray, if I'm not mistaken, or, or bought them, something like that. But, um, NVIDIA's supercomputers, A, scale a lot. Like you go look at, I think it's top 100 or something like that is the name of the website. And it's been a long time since I looked at it, but they, they actually stack rank like the most powerful supercomputers and NVIDIA is responsible for like a lot of them. Yes. Yeah. Um, because of the, the stacking so, of the GPUs, but it's also, it's right. HPE just, just for the. Oh, it is. Yeah, you're right. Great. Yeah. But I, I thought IBM has something that they compete. Is it Watson? Watson's built on a platform that they compete in. And they're like dismantling. Say, right? They're dismantling Watson. No, no, I understand it's that. But it's easy. it's built on a platform that I think competes yes. in yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that supercomputer yeah, space. I just forget what it is. Um, Deep Blue, something like that. But um, yeah, I might be misinformed, but I feel like Watson is a bit of a flop. But yes, Cray is ah. part of it. Yeah. Okay. I, I knew somebody. They All picked right. them up, right? Cray, Cray was their own thing. For yes, a while, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. So, yeah, anyway. HP bottom. But no, you you could be right because I do think um, the I mean Nvidia has been on an absolute tear for a while uh, from from like a stock uh, appreciation perspective, and I'm I would be surprised if the uh, potential purchase of ARM did not drive some speculative growth there too. I'm kind of curious though. Dude, I would have like if I if I had bought you know just individual stocks on my own and not used somebody to, to manage that. I would have bought NVIDIA off of that news back yeah. in, you know, early of last year. Sure. I want to say it was like wonder, February like, or March. With that news being out that it's falling apart or, or that they're backing off, like, did it already get hit? It's been going that's, down, that's but, but I don't know if that's correlated with the other, the other market sentiment, but, uh, and that like this news just came out like today. So, who knows? It's yet to yet to be seen what happens. But early to like middle last year, I guess early last year, Nvidia price was about one twenty eight. 
um, by the summertime. It was about 200 peaked in mid November at three thirty, and is now down to two twenty five. So yeah, I don't know, but, uh, yeah, interesting. All right. Cray cray. Well, thanks for, uh, uh I still like it. Me on those two. No, that was cool. Um, what else? I, we saw some interesting, uh, Another one I wish Russ was here for, Google Kills Flock, the uh, federated oh, yeah. learning of cohorts. We uh, all universally agree that that was a terrible idea, and it looks like they finally caught onto that too. But they're, um, they're announcing what they're, what they're calling topics, and I haven't gotten to read into it enough, but I'm curious if it addresses some of the uh, criticism that they got for Flock. Uh, I hope what? so. Um, Categorizes the site's users' visits into 300-plus topics. So, yeah, it's re replacing um, uh, the, the project for replacing cookies for interest-based advertising. Okay, yeah. Russ, we miss you, dude. I know you're super no. busy doing... doing uh, awesome was it, like, stuff. sales kickoff or something? Yeah, he's, he's like, super cool. important at his Good job. At his job so... Stuff. Right. <laughs> Did you see the uh, the the YouTube one that came out today? Um, Which YouTube one? The uh, discussing adding NFT support. No, what I did I saw one that said that the the uh, the creators making over 10k jumped 40 percent year over year. That that was interesting to me. Yes. Um, but no, what is this? And if oh, it is. Yeah. It's in the same title. That's hilarious. Yes. <laughs> Okay. Well, they're, they're trying to I, see. Apparently, my short. brain sees NFT, and I just short just short circuit it. it in my head. I don't <laughs> yeah. even care. NFTs are absurd. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No. I mean, <laughs> dude. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the CEO of YouTube was uh, was in an interview, and uh, she said, uh, "We're working every day to improve how we help creators get started and reach an audience faster on Shorts." So Shorts is their like little video. It's their you know reels or whatever it is you want to call it. I but mean, uh, I, I guess you. It actually makes a lot of sense given what an NFT is for a video creation site like YouTube to to create support for that kind of marketplace. Um, you know, because fundamentally the idea is that, that you're giving the rights to the initial created work, even though it could be copied a gajillion times and all that whatnot. Um, there's there's potential. Uh, like royalty revenue streams there. So it's another avenue for somebody that is a creator to to sell their creations or the rights to their creations, which is I, I think NFTs as as goofy as I think they are, I think I think they're here to stay. I do think that there are going to be a few use cases where that actually makes sense for creators, which is good. I think it will help reward people that are producing content. Um I don't. I don't think we're anywhere close to a final form for what that looks like. No. And, and I also think the concept of an NFT makes a lot of sense to me. The utility of an NFT, I don't think exists until it's regulated a little more. And by that, I mean like has legal protection, not yeah. just this is yours, kind of digitally, right. huh? Like, what what happens if someone else? tries to mint an nft off of your work for instance is it is it going to be just a like a takedown request sort of motion dude i didn't even think about that somebody speech. minting the exact same image on a different blockchain sure. right i mean literally nothing <laughs> stops you from doing that right now nothing stops right? you from doing it and selling it even because what yes. what law governs wtf and nft can be but you could make an nft out of the screenshot of the title yeah 
of, of the, the Microsoft acquisition yeah, yeah. and you could sell it to somebody. Sure, well, yeah. Why would but you, you buy could that? Take, I don't know, but somebody probably would because that's how yeah. silly NFTs are right now. But you could literally <laughs> take, you know, the, the these top NFT projects, and that's almost weird to, to say, but um, <laughs> these hyped things like Bored Apes or whatever and um, mint it on another chain. Mm-hmm. And it's just a different chain version of the same thing. But yeah. uh, well, uh, did you, you see it come to Twitter? Them. Yeah. Did you see it? Come I, to I saw that it did. I I don't know what they did with it. I still don't well, completely understand it, what their integration it looked, is. Yeah, it looked pointless it. initially. Um, all it does is change your profile photo uh, to a hexagonal version of whatever the image is. But I found one this morning and actually clicked on the uh, the person's photo. I can't remember who it was. Is this this um, guy? talking about crypto something or other but anyway when i clicked on his profile photo it rather than it just making it full screen of his photo it actually loaded all the nft information um i want to see if i wonder if i took a screenshot of it uh yeah i can't find it right now but it showed all the uh it showed what blockchain it was on and when it was minted and uh where it was purchased through and all that kind of stuff it basically showed all the receipt data for the nft that was literally it was just a picture cool. of him sitting there yeah. um so i you know but again, yeah, nah, like, like I said, on how this how this goes. I, I think so. NFTs are here to stay. I don't I don't agree with some of the utility people. I think are attributing <laughs> to it, and I think it's I think it's wild wild west on any kind yeah. of protections. Like the idea that you own it is is a little bit goofy right now because they're so young and there's so little protection against it. But yeah. but it is a, a clever way to sort of anchor the original digital asset sure. in, in space. And so I can see that having some interesting, you know, downstream impact. So I it definitely definitely a space worth keeping your eye on. I think it's absolutely absurd that, you know, what like M's buying an NFT for millions of dollars. That's that's just crazy. Like I, I want to read is? is that real? I think he did. Yeah. Why? Eminem bought, he spent like 10 million on one of the board apes or something. I forget which <laughs> one it was. And then uh, what did we, did we do talk about it on the show? I can't remember if we did any, uh, I think we did, but somebody, somebody purchased an NFT of a, like a Dune, like an early release or first print Dune book in in or they bought no yes. that's what it was a yeah. foundation purchased a, a an early release a dune yeah. and they were going to make uh, they were going to burn it after they turned every page into nfts and then they were going to like release it and everyone was like you and then they were going to yeah because you don't own this at all like you can't yeah you don't you you do not you did not buy what you think you bought and then they kind of like backtracked because it was is it a, D, a da dao right a distributed Dow. uh yeah, yeah. decentralized autonomous organization is what that stands autonomous for. organization yes and so like they basically use uh, like a crypto uh, consensus mechanism yes. right to yes. to agree to sort of move assets and it, it operates kind of like having a bunch of people you don't trust it forces the trust without actually requiring a um oh, what do you call that the uh like an intermediary that holds the money um Man, words today, just killing yeah. it. Uh, what do you call those? It's very common in uh, uh, a trust, not or, an estuary, um, not a trust. Um, escrow. It starts with an escrow. 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 Yeah. Escrow. So, so escrows, escrows usually take a percentage, right? A DAO yeah. is sort of like a, a an escrow in digital trust only. Which I would like. We to We call it DAO, out. by the way. Don't don't call it a DAO. DAO. Call it a DAO. Fine. DAO. Sing. DAO. Uh, I'm just trying to make. Sure, I'm trying to make sure you're up with it. The DAO, DAO index exists. That's confusing. 
I don't. No, not D O W. D A O. Dow. Yes, Dow. I got it. No, <sighs> I, I heard all of your letters. Uh, they okay. are the same. Um, <laughs> fine, Dow. Uh, but anyways, I so I I had the realization the other day. It, people keep saying like Bitcoin's gonna fail, crypto's garbage because there isn't a use case for it. Well, I I think we've already found at least two <laughs> really 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 useful cases for blockchain uh for crypto well and maybe that's the argument is that crypto is basically the use case for blockchain do we actually need crypto or could we just use blockchain my point being if you look at wire transfers wire transfers are the worst wire transfer fraud is insane it happens all the time like i don't know the last time you bought a house but anyone that's purchased a house in the last like 15 years, so definitely you, but you might not remember when you went through it, the number of warnings that you get about verifying where your wire money is going because it happens all the time yeah. that people will get into the email chain and then at just the right time, they will make something that looks just right from your mortgage company and have you wire the money to their account and it's basically impossible to claw back at that point. Yes. Like, and it's also, that's how it, bad wire transfers yeah. are. And because but, they're slow, you have to do them days in advance of walking into, or at least a day in advance of walking into like the signing, uh, the actual closing of the house. And it occurred to me just the other day, I was like, crypto is the perfect use case for something like that. Because you have established trust, you have established trust in, in the chain itself, and you can do it in the room because it's it's fast, it's instantaneous yeah, in some cases, depending on what you're yeah. working on. And that is even if the it's not instantaneous, solves this problem. Well, you're sitting there the signing documents nature, for 30 minutes. Okay, but the, for all intents and purposes, that even if is it's instantaneous. Not instantaneous. If, if yes, it takes half an hour, that's instantaneous compared to a wire transfer okay. that takes a day yeah. or days. You're right. measuring things in in minutes or hours. I agree with you. Days and weeks. I agree. So, but but that alone is a phenomenal use case for transferring funds from party A to party B in the room because the 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 fact that you trust someone to like transact whether it's a smart contract or something like that that's, that's a different argument but if i walk into a room and somebody says here scan this 2d barcode it's my account it is so much harder to yeah. intercept something like that than it is to give you the wrong account details in an email. Now, if you're using crypto the same way we use wire transfers, it's probably just as risky. Somebody just gives you a different public address and you're screwed. Just just as hard or harder to claw back in case, in some cases. But the fact that you could do this instantly or very, very fast in the room with the person that you're you're going to sign a house, like that's a phenomenal use case for yeah. a cryptocurrency uh, transfer, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, like I that's that's a big one. And then Dow's the second one's buying and, Red Bull at C stores, right? This section <laughs> yeah, of the podcast brought to you by Red Bull, sugar free. No, <laughs> just no, kidding. I actually think that the second one, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's a joke. I, the second one is escrow. It's it's right. being able to it, basically squirrel funds away in a meaningful way, tied to a smart contract where when the things are done, it gets released without needing an an actual human or body in the middle that's doing anything and taking any cut. Right. And that that saves money. It makes it more efficient. It's more secure. Like th these are real use cases that solve real problems. I would argue that they may not be the most elegant to the solution, but 
they're getting darn close if they're not already yeah. there. And I'm not saying and Bitcoin. And is again, this is just the beginning. This is just yeah, the beginning. for sure. Yeah. Anyways, I just I, the for the haters that constantly say there's no use case, this is garbage. It's a failed project. I think they are they are soundly wrong. In and there's just two examples in the last week that kind of came into my head where I would gladly adopt something even like a Bitcoin or an Ethereum, which is not terribly efficient and certainly isn't the most ideal end state, but I would adopt those over the traditional banking processes associated with escrow and associated with wire transfers for house closings. Like, done. Give me crypto associated with that, and I am a happier person. Yeah. So. Yep. Take that, haters. Yep. Dude. What else we got? Um, I feel like I feel like there was at least one more interesting. Oh, <laughs> this one's good. Uh, hacktivists said that they hacked the Belarus rail system to stop Russian military buildup. Ooh, that one caught like me that. off guard. Well, you know, you know what's funny is that my brain had the same reaction. I like that, but it's also horrifying. <laughs> it is also very horrifying. Yes, because as soon as I said hacked, I like that, I thought the same thing. <laughs> It, like, this is what went through my head. Like you, you just did on the show out loud what went through my head when I saw this. I'm like, that's awesome. Oh wait, no, that's oh, wait. terrible. <laughs> so, so they literally they ransomwared the entire state-operated rail system, and they said, "We will not give you the decryption key until you make, you know, good on a promise to not ship any more, you know, of of Russians' equipment towards Ukraine effectively." And yeah. so. Like, uh, depending on where you stand on that particular conflict, maybe that's good. But also, holy cow, that's that's scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. And it there's there's crazy stuff like that. Like, how does this happen? Like that one? Sure, I get it. Like, whatever. That that is probably not that difficult. Then then there's like, and maybe it's like my mind kind of goes to insider um, insider stuff. Like what we ha- what we saw happen with Twitter. Right. Whenever all the all the people are like twenty five percent of people at Twitter had the keys to the kingdom, and people oh, were able to call in and pretend yeah. to be pretend to be uh, you know in IT and say, hey, I need this access or whatever, that's and all of a sudden they're hacking the you know the president's. Um, I mean, President right. Obama was tweeting out stuff that like obviously hacked. Right. Uh, Elon yes, was tweeting right. out stuff obviously hacked, and then just this past week, all of the top um, like YouTube crypto um, channels. We're all hacked and similar videos basically asking for support to send funds to these these addresses were all published across all yeah. of these. And yeah. everyone was like, how in the world did this happen? You know, this is this is my Google yeah. account. I've got two FA on or I've got code generator or whatever. And, and stuff there's like that just seems big like speculation. Yeah, gross the, misstep in in procedures. Like and I, yeah. I feel like was we talked somebody about inside this Google when that news or, first I mean, came out, but yeah. it's like Ah, those companies should be held responsible a little bit more forcefully than they are when those things happen. Yeah. I'm sorry. If you've got security procedures that are that lax and you give that many people that much control and and you know, people are scammed, like you should be on the hook for every dollar of that crap. Yeah. It's crazy. Sorry, Twitter. Sorry, Google, whatever. Um, yeah, I don't know. Interesting. But uh yeah, a pretty pretty crazy, you know, topic just that that uh, hacktivist was able to shut that down. It is, I, I will give it this. It's 
nice to see ransomware being used, quote unquote, for a good purpose. I'm I'm really tiptoeing around that because I honestly don't know enough about that conflict or Russia's uh, aggression, assuming that's what it is, to to even weigh in from like a socio political perspective. But um, it it seems better than just holding you know corporate or people ransom for dollars, right? At least at least they had a point that wasn't just pay me because I'm holding you hostage. So, I don't know. Yeah. Half oh, half dude, a what? half a positive point. <laughs> uh Julian Lennon plans to auction off NFTs of Beatles and John Lennon items, including handwritten notes for Hey Jude. Nice. Julian will retain the physical counterparts. Of course. <laughs> and this is why I think NFTs are ridiculous. Like missing the point. But oh, somebody yeah. is going to buy those and somebody will probably pay a lot of money for them. It, 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 I'm again, <laughs> there's a totally there's, torn on this. Somebody responded, it's absurd to me. Why wouldn't they take a new set of photos at slightly different angles and sell the same uh-huh. items as NFTs again and again? <laughs> I would, I would because people are dumb enough to buy them every time. And, and the only answer to that is it pollutes what you're trying to do, which will probably drive the value down. But think about this like trading cards. If you took pictures of those from 20 different angles, then the one that looked the best because of some lighting can yeah, become the most mint. valuable yeah. one. And it's just like, ah, kill me. This is yeah. ridiculous. This uh, it is, makes a lot more sense crazy. to me for digital assets, making digital pictures of something physical and selling it as NFT just feels like it feels Fringy. dirty yeah 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 i just i don't like it <laughs> that's terrible yeah uh, uh i've got uh one piece of sad news i think is sad but it's also really interesting which is the um the u.s administration believes that the chip shortage is going to stretch well into the second half of 2022 certain areas being impacted even into 2023 and um there's a pretty good article on Bloomberg about it, but one of the biggest takeaways for me was that the U.S. Commerce Department just directly said, there's really nothing we can do about this. To There's nothing the government can do to resolve bottlenecks in the in the supply chain. Yeah. Um, it was cool, though. They they did, they, they took very seriously reports on gouging, um, which there, there were accusations that, um, you know, certain industry players like abnets distribution companies stuff like that were hoarding uh chips in in an attempt to jack the price up and then going and you know reaping the benefits of such things and they basically found no foul play there which is you know good thumbs up way to not be jerks um but but they they basically came out and said uh the the industry is best suited to address this and it really just boils down to it being an incredibly fragile supply chain and if there are any more major shutdowns from the very few places that produce most of the world's chips it will have uh, ripple effects that will continue to impact everything um but that that also includes non-covid based problems right so you could have potential shutdowns and you have staffing problems related to the pandemic but you also have things like major you know, earthquakes or tsunamis or I don't know, giant underground volcanoes in the ocean that that can disrupt uh, those those areas too. And and those again, the ripples that'll happen in that supply chain yeah. will continue to go. And then it also talks about demand and how it's it's actually just a lot higher. Um, the the report says that the median demand for chips is up as much as seventeen percent. Um, in 2021 than it was in 2019 and it does not look like that is going to slow down at all no dude demand Explosion went up like crazy edge, and supply dude. barely changed 
Yes, everything is going to have chips in it. And everything's yep. going to be collecting data. And that data's got to be stored somewhere. And you saw too, Intel committed $20 billion to build at least two semiconductor yeah. uh, fab plants on a thousand acres. Are they both site. in Ohio or is just one in Ohio? Yeah, two in Ohio nice. by 2025, employing at least 3,000 people in New Albany, Ohio. That's, so. that's cool. And Good. kudos to Ohio. Ohio. I mean, I'm, I'm excited for the U.S. period just having this, but it's cool to see yeah, how Ohio did it um, and how they worked to attract Intel. Um, Ooh, but yeah, they, they went hard after the, What's that about? well, they just went hard after the executives saying, Hey, you know, here's basically built a whole business case, gave them financial incentives, um, talked about sustainability commitments, all this kind of stuff. So, um, did a, did a whole very proactive thing on behalf of their people. So, um, That's great. good on you. Ohio. No, and it, yeah. Ohio needs that too. Um, I, I, not to go like historical there. My my extended family um, is from Ohio. I have some extended family from Ohio. My parents were actually born there, and um, that part of the United States uh, has has just had a rough go of it uh, when it comes to industry. Uh, steel, uh, American Steel, you know, was kind of in that area, Pittsburgh, and that you know the sort of neighboring parts of Ohio that are there, where they were impacted pretty bad when U.S. sort of lost steel dominance and and for all the right reasons, you know, when you look at the total, uh, you know, global uh, raw material production sort of stuff, and, and I guess how that works, but then then automobile as well, right? So they, they had a large uh, GM presence up there and things like that. And so when, when the sort of traditional manufacturing had its issues and continues to have its issues, think back to like the bailout of, of the GMs and stuff like that um, years ago, uh, it, that part of the U.S. got hit hard again, and so seeing some lifeblood sort of pushed into it with higher technology um, and and something that's so critical supply chain wise, like that's that was really it was a good move. That that is something that will provide a lot more stability uh, over a longer period of time. I think. Oh, this is interesting. Um, it makes me wonder what the stat is like across all the different states. The government, the amount of government employees in Ohio, seven hundred eighty-seven thousand, which is fifteen point one percent of. I don't know if that's fifteen one or point one percent of the um, the population or the employed Ohioans. Huh. That's wild. That's that's interesting. It's higher than manufacturing. Manufacturing wow. is only twelve point nine percent, and it's almost as high as uh, healthcare. Uh, and education together is uh, 15.8%. That's crazy. That is wild. Cool. Okay. All right, dude. We should probably shut this down. And uh, Next time we're going to have to talk about all of the crazy stuff that I'm doing with uh, signal boosting and directional antennas. What? And toying with uh, T-Mobile's home internet, which is actually pretty neat. Um, I, I've been learning a lot because uh, we're looking at doing some camper life stuff. Uh, yeah, man. Good family friends this summer. And so one of the things I've got to make sure I've got is a solid, consistent internet connection. So I've been toying with all kinds of fun stuff to boost different signals and to make sure that I can pick up Wi-Fi when I need it. Yeah. Well, let me know how I can help with that because I'm kind of interested. <laughs> <laughs> next time. All right, dude. Next time. Because now we're done with another episode of the Tech Breakfast Podcast. Thanks for listening, y'all. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for subscribing. Tell all your friends. Be one of those 40,000 listens. Go 
listen, right now, I think nine of you can actually fit in that bucket, and then the rest, you'll just have to be part of the first 50,000. But thanks for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. Adios.